0: Indeed, December 7th, 1941, that makes it lot 81 years ago, the attack on Pearl Harbor, Dr. Harlan Ullman, uh, an internationally recognized strategic thought leader and advisor to heads of governments, major corporations. Let's not forget the book, The Fifth Horseman and the New Mad, how massive attacks of disruption became the looming existential danger to a divided nation and the world at large. And Dr. Ullman is uh, nice enough to give us a couple of minutes on an important day of remembrance. Paul, and always a pleasure, um, you know, uh, Pearl Harbor Day, yep. uh, 81 years, survivors, veterans, visitors from all over the world come together to honor, uh, to remember, and the whole, you know, listen, it's uh, it's about remembering and never never forgetting what happened 81 years ago. Give me your uh, thoughts. Precisely,
1: six Japanese carriers, <clears throat> 10 minutes of 8, attacked Pearl Harbor on December 7th in a sneak attack. Uh, all eight battleships, and, uh, Battleship Row and Pearl Harbor, four were sunk, four were badly damaged, all except the Arizona, which is still a living memorial to Pearl Harbor, returned to active service. About 2,400 Americans were killed, mostly on Arizona. And that attack rallied a nation that was almost as divided then as it is today. Interestingly, COVID-19, in which more Americans died, and were killed in battle in every war we fought since 1775 has divided the nation even more. Interesting to ponder why that happened over the last 81 years.
0: Yeah. Um, So, in in essence, when we look back and we look about the actions of President Roosevelt addressing the country, declaring war against Japan, three days later you had Germany and Italy, Holland, declaring war on the uh, U.S. of A. You know, you had this unbelievable domino effect that took place. Uh, Interesting, you know. And and listen, you can make the case a blind side, not a blind side. Did we we have any type type of surveillance that indicated that something was coming upon us? Part of those three days we're talking about.
1: Not really, because remember in those days, there was really no such thing as space satellites or anything like that. The Japanese attack was tactically brilliant, with one exception, and that is Admiral Nagumo, who also lost the Battle of Midway and then after losing the Battle of Saipan three years later committed suicide. Never followed up, never hit the submarine bases, never hit the fuel bases. But the attack was brilliantly orchestrated. The Japanese used torpedoes. Nobody thought torpedoes in shallow water would work. The Japanese saw what the British did against the Italian fleet in 1940 in Toronto, and so configured the torpedoes. They could run in shallow water. The Pacific fleet and the Pacific forces had been on alert continually for several weeks, and you can't blame Admiral Kimmel, who was in charge, who took the raft for Pearl Harbor. The fact of the matter was that this was a complete surprise attack, and the Japanese got away with it. You can argue we should have known better, but the fact of the matter is, had it not been for Pearl Harbor, I'm not sure the nation would have rallied to enter World War II. The other interesting fact is that Winston Churchill immediately came to America. I remember this is 1941 in Europe, where the war was not going well, and spent nearly three weeks, most of it was Franklin Roosevelt, working out the strategy to defeat Hitler and, of course, Germany. Now, <laughs> what president since the war has met our opposite numbers, for more
0: than a couple of days. <clears throat> it's an interesting parallel. I'm talking with Dr. Holland omen on Pearl Harbor, the uh, anniversary, 81st anniversary, folks. You know, the intentions of Japan, not accentuated enough here, because it was more, and tell me if I'm wrong, was it more preventative on their end? As far as their actions, I should say. Because it was really about preventing... Uh, the United States Pacific Fleet, Holland right from interfering with some of the planned military actions talking about Southeast Asia against some of these overseas territories, the UK involved, the Netherlands you know that type of thing those are the United States it was more kind of a of a preventative measures from that happening right uh,
1: It was a bit more, <clears throat> more than that Jay. the Japanese were starved for resources. they went to war in Manchuria in 1931. So they needed oil, they needed iron for steel, and they expanded their so-called Great East Asian co prosperity sphere. And you're absolutely right. They were afraid that the Americans and the Allies would stop them. And their view was, looking at America and America's introversion and its failure to go to war in Europe, that Pearl Harbor would be such a shock and awe attack that America would seek some kind of diplomacy to end the war. They thought they'd attack it destroy the Pacific Fleet and they could come to some kind of a diplomatic arrangement with America. And of course they could not have got it more
0: wrong. Um you know it's interesting you go back to the obvious Pearl Harbor speech. Uh very well received over there. Japan we're talking about. And a lot of people expressed the opinion that it struck kind of the right balance of regret, uh Holland, you know, that the Pacific War occurred. Really often no apologies too, you know. That was interesting as well.
1: Well, when Roosevelt said that dastardly act, it, it was the way that Roosevelt put it. It was his language. Uh, Churchill mobilized the English language and sent it off to war, but Roosevelt also did that in his appeal to Congress when he declared or asked Congress for a declaration. Now, what's interesting is that this the next the next two months marked the anniversary, the 80th anniversary of the Battle of Stalingrad. And what's interesting about Stalingrad, in which, as you know, the Germans pushed the Stalingrad limits, and then, after desperate, desperate fighting that went on for four or five months, Marshal Zhukov, in the middle of winter, marched a million Russians to outflank the German Sixth Army and cut it off. And it was destroyed and had to surrender in February. The question is, in Ukraine, will the Ukrainians see that example of what General Zhukov did during the... Stalingrad siege and use the winter as a time to mount an offensive against the Russians. That's a very interesting question we will see being played out.
0: Point. No question about it. Holland Ullman with us December 7th, 1941. One of the biggest mistakes that I have read about over time, uh, Holland, was not the, the Japanese not really destroying the smallest of American ships. It was our submarines. Because when you look at the submarines of how they survived and how the damage was done uh, to destroy more Japanese tonnage during the war than the Americans lost at Pearl Harbor, and really underestimating the American public as well, but, you know, when you look at the... Game plan and everything else, I mean, they made some massive mistakes here as far as how they went about their business.
1: As I said, they did not go after the submarine pens. And if they had bombed the submarines, it would have taken quite a while. Remember, we started World War II, I wouldn't say with a handful of ships, but a very modest navy. And interestingly, virtually every capital ship, every large ship that was built for World War II, had its keel laid before Pearl Harbor because of the two Vincent Trammell Naval Building Acts that got the Navy going. And when we finished World War II, we had over 6,000 ships and almost 100 aircraft carriers of all sides. I mean, this is the most formidable Navy that ever existed. But your point is correct. If the Japanese had taken out the submarine fleet at Pearl Harbor and, more importantly, the fuel, the fuel would have prevented operations. Fortunately for us, the aircraft carriers were at sea, and so they were safe. But Admiral Nagumo was not an aggressive admiral, and thank goodness because of seniority, he was in command. Because if the Japanese had a really competent admiral, the war might have turned out differently.
0: Bring up uh, you bring up Nagumo, and a lot of people wonder, you know, why didn't they send uh, that third wave uh, into Pearl Harbor? That that wave was to have attacked the. The tank farms, the U.S. Navy machine shops, the stores, all the centers, the administrative centers and everything else around there. But uh, Nagumo canceled that wave and withdrew. I guess he feared, uh, Holland, that his own ships were vulnerable to the nth degree to an American counterattack here. I mean, that's the only way you could kind of figure this out regarding that possible third wave. He
1: also, he was not an aviator. He was a surface officer. He was there because of seniority. Admiral Yamamoto, who was the commander in chief of the Japanese Navy, did not like and trust Nagumo. But because of seniority, Nagumo found himself in that position. And he lacked judgment. And similarly at Midway, when he realized that there was an American fleet in the vicinity and began rearming, he then set those four Japanese aircraft characters <laughs> as, as potential. Uh, explosive target because they had lots of fuel, they had lots of ammunition and ordnance. And when Wade McCluskey's dive bombers attacked in the space of just a few minutes, three Japanese carriers were at the bottom in June 1942 simply because Nagumo uh, lacked the judgment and got himself in a position where he was enormously vulnerable. And by good fortune and huge courage, the Americans took advantage of that. So we were lucky, as I said, Nugumo was not was in command and not a more competent Japanese admiral because the outcome could have been different. That third wave could have wreaked havoc on the US in Pearl Harbor. But fortunately it never arose.
0: Editor, the and now before we let you go, you wrote a piece, came out of UPI today regarding Stalingrad. Talk to me a little bit about that and where the folks can read that. Go ahead. The
1: pieces in Staling- uh, in UPI, this is the 80th anniversary of Stalingrad. As you know, in June 1941, when Hitler invaded Russia, the Russians got to the outskirts of Moscow and then were repelled by the Germans, the, the Germans were repelled by the Russians. So in August 1943, uh, Hitler ordered the 6th Army under General von Palos to move east and to take Stalingrad. Why they wanted to take Stalingrad made no sense, because all they wanted to do was to cut the Volga River. And so quickly, the Germans got to the outskirts of Stalingrad, and this huge, horrible siege began. What was interesting was that Goering, who was head of the uh, Luftwaffe of the Air Force, said, I will bomb, I will bomb the Russians in submission. But what they did do by the bombing was so obliterate Stalingrad that it made tank and mobile warfare impossible so the German infantry had to proceed on the ground, and it became hand-to-hand fighting, in which the Russian commanders... General Kulikov, said, you need to hug the belt. You need to get as close to the Germans as you possibly can so they can't use their artillery. And 25 years later, General Jaffa, the North Vietnamese general, used the same tactic against the Americans. Then in late November, early December, while the fighting was raging in Stalingrad, as I said, uh, General Zhukov, later Marshal Zhukov, had a double pincer envelopment that moved around Stalingrad and attacked from the west, routing the Romanian and Italian forces that were in reserve trapped on Palos, and in February he had to uh, he had to surrender. But this was in the midst of Russian winter. How do you move a million people secretly in the middle of winter is something the Ukrainians ought to be looking at, even though today there are drones and there are all sorts of reconnaissance methods. But the Ukrainians have proven themselves tactically brilliant. And so if you look at the model of Stalingrad, if I were the Ukrainian. I would certainly be planning some kind of major offensive, either in the Donbass or against Crimea, because you know the Russians are preparing for a spring campaign, moving in lots of artillery, certainly in the east and possibly in Belarus, because they could consider opening a second front. Though I think that's unlikely. So Stalingrad offers a real example of what can be done despite the difficulties of fighting in the winter.
0: Peace. You can find it where? UPI, Holland?
1: United Press International. Just go online, hit Voices, and my column appears there every
0: Wednesday. There you go. The great uh, Holland Ullman uh, does, does it all. And uh, let's uh, let's not forget uh, the fine book. That's right, The Fifth Horse, One of the New Mad, How Massive Attacks of Disruption Came the Looming Existential Danger to a Divided Nation of the World at Large uh dr holland all a very important day no question december 7th pearl harbor day absolutely a day to never a day
1: we should a day we can never forget
0: no question about it holland always good talking with you we'll talk soon all right we'll chat soon